Hello everyone, welcome to uh, my podcast. Uh, this is something I've been wanting to do for a while and so I've been putting some plans in place and here I am uh, getting it done. So if you're listening, I really appreciate you listening and I hope that this is uh, meaningful for you and I hope that this is uh, more importantly uh, going to be helpful for all of us to just dive deeper into the Word of God and to help our relationship with Jesus become stronger and, and on a greater foundation as we dive into his word. Here's what I want to do. We're going to start in Matthew, uh, and we're just going to really take some of the major themes and stories and lessons throughout scripture, uh, through this podcast, um, and just really, again, dive into the word of God, and with the hopes that we learn something, with the hopes that we fall in love with Jesus uh, just a little bit more uh, than we we were before th- through understanding uh, his word and his a message to us. Uh, so as I said, we're starting Matthew. Uh, so introduction, uh, we're going to start in chapter one. Introduction, we're going to be in verse 18 through 25 to kind of really kind of talk about the first uh, bit of lessons that I want to bring about from, from Matthew. Um, as we dive into Matthew, Matthew is the author uh, he was one of the disciples of Jesus. If you re- recall his his story in the Gospels, uh, he was hated in the times of Jesus. Uh, they because they were essentially they were doing the job of the Roman government that the uh, Jewish people certainly did not like, and so Matthew. And yet Jesus found it within his plan to call him and to make him a follower of of Jesus. That in itself is a beautiful story. That in itself is a lesson uh, that Jesus takes the unwanted and the disliked and the outcasts of society and he calls them to himself. Um, Being a tax collector... And as we read his gospel, we understand that as a tax collector, he would have been well acquainted with the importance of details. And that is essential anytime you're dealing with uh, walking through uh, history, walking through um, historical account. And this is a first-person account, Matthew, disciple of Jesus. So he saw Jesus work. He heard Jesus, Jesus perform miracles. And there's importance in first-person pe- first experiences uh, because there is an increase in trustworthiness uh, the closer to that account that you get. Um, if you've ever played that phone game, telephone game, uh, where you have a line of people and you give that first person a phrase to say and you watch that uh, from person to person, they whisper in each other's ear what they think they heard the phrase as. You know, Typically, by the end of the line, that phrase is no, not what... Uh, not what you had told the first person. Well, that kind of gives us the idea of why it's important to uh, have first-person experiences, and that's what Matthew is. And so as we dive into Matthew's gospel, uh, we understand that he is a first-person, giving us a first-person experience. Uh, Matthew focuses on the kingship of Jesus and his kingdom. He focuses on the the uh, fact that Jesus came down as king, and he expressed his kingdom truths to uh, to his people. We see that from the very beginning. We'll we'll dive into that when we get get to it. But you know, John the Baptist says, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is near." And then Jesus comes on the scene and says, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand." And we see all through the throughout Matthew, you know, Jesus uh, using phrases like, "This the kingdom of God is like the kingdom of heaven is like," because he wants us to understand uh, what his role in the world as king is. 
He wants us to understand our world, our role in the world as members of his kingdom. And he wants us to understand that that kingdom is something that is active now. While we wait for the complete fulfillment of that kingdom uh, in the future, we are still, even now, part of the kingdom of God. And so what does that mean for us? What is our role? How do we act in relationship to God in that kingdom? How do we act in relationship uh, with other people in that kingdom? We'll dive deep into that when we get into the the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5. But this book, it begins uh, with the king coming, and it ends with the king sending us. Matthew is the perfect book to bridge the gap between the story of the Old Testament and the story of the New Testament. You see it right off the bat. There's a many times where he uses the phrase that it might be fulfilled. It's very frequent. And it's tying what is happening with Jesus in the New Testament with what the Old Testament says about the Messiah. It's giving us assurance that Jesus is the Messiah. Matter of fact, there are 26 different Old Testament prophecies uh, specifically called out as being fulfilled in the book of Matthew. And again, that is just giving us assurance that this Jesus that we read about in the Gospels is the Messiah that has been promised in the Old Testament. And as we'll kind of dive into here in a little bit, that it gives us uh, quite quite a bit of, of hope and, and assurance of, of eternal life. Uh, so let's read Matthew chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be in verse 18 through 25. And what I want to do, this, I just want to kind of dive in a little bit and just pick out some important lessons that Jesus has for us here in the story of his birth as it's told in Matthew. So Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That's Matthew 1, verse 18 through 25. And I just love that Matthew, as he focuses on the kingship of Jesus and his kingship, his kingdom, rather, within within the world around us, he starts off by telling us how he came. And there's really three things here that I want to kind of draw out and give us hope and give us assurance and increase our faith in, in, in the manner in which he came. And the first is that he came as a man. We read here in this passage that behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. He came as man. Now, here's what I don't want us to do, guys. Don't allow the familiarity of the incarnation uh, to miss the incredible truth that the incarnation is. God became man. This is more than just an invisible God becoming visible. No, this is 
God becoming man. Within Mary's womb, his physical body formed just as it did for you and me within our mother's wombs. The humanity of Jesus cannot be denied. It's a foundational aspect of our faith and our hope. See, Jesus becoming man is what allowed him to be the perfect sacrifice for man. It is his perfect life lived as a man that enables us to receive his perfect righteousness. Now, there, there are some themes there uh, in, that, in those phrases that we're, we'll dive into as we, as we get deeper into, uh, into the New Testament. But, man, what, what an awesome truth that this is, that God came as man. That, that is the story of the incarnation, that God, who is king over all, he was the creator of the universe. He came down as man. We see in Philippians chapter 2 what a move of humility that this was. Paul here in Philippians tells us to have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, speaking of Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I don't know if we will ever, and if we ever do, it's not going to be till we get to the other side, understand the depth to which Jesus came to save us. I, I don't know if we'll ever really fully grasp the, the heights from which he came down from. The fact that he left heaven, he left his throne, he left the glory and the splendor of heaven, he left uh, being there with his father, he left the praise of, of the angels, and he came and he was born as a man. You see, his humanity allows him to understand us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. It is because of Jesus coming as a man that we can read that verse. We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? Because he came down. And he came down in flesh. He came down as man and thus was in all points tempted as we are. So every temptation we face, every moment and trial that we face, we can hope and we can see and we can know that Jesus understands because he came and he came as man. Hebrews 5 and 8 says this, he says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, this is not to say that Jesus was less than when he came as man or that he had lost his omniscience or any other God characteristic, but it tells us that he was able to experience what obedience looked like from our perspective. He was able to experience the pull of temptation and the choice of righteousness. He was able to experience what it looks like for us as mankind to obey the Father. 
You see, he experienced the same time and space limits that we do. And that is a beautiful truth for us because, again, it allows him to understand us. And that's why you know we read in, in the first chapter of Hebrews that he sat down at the majesty on high after he came and did what he came to do. He went up, he ascended, and he, he sat down. What is he doing for us now? He is interceding on our behalf. And what an incredible moment and truth it is to know that he is interceding on our behalf because he understands. He gets us. He grasps us. He, he gets it because he was one of us. You see, his coming as a man allows him to be a personal savior. It allows him to be a personal savior. He's not just some figurehead, abstract, up there in space somewhere. But because he came as a man... He allows him, allows him to be a personal savior. So he's my savior. He's your savior. He's everyone who accepts him and who believes in him. We are able to have intimacy with the Father because Jesus came as a man. But he didn't just come as a man. He came as God. Right? Verse 23 of what we just read in Matthew 1 said this, They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You see, as much as he came in the humility of flesh, just so did he come clothed in the power of being God. I love what John says, how, how John puts it in the first uh, chapter of his gospel in verse 1 through 3. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. See, he came down, and he came down as man, but he was fully God. He did not lay aside his deity, but rather he came as deity, clothed as man. He was 100% man, 100% God. I love what Hebrews chapter 1 says. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. So he's saying, hey, you know, God has been speaking to the world. God has been speaking to humanity throughout history. In the past, it was done through the prophets. And that's what we read in the Old Testament. We read the, the prophetic words of Isaiah and of Jeremiah and of all you know the other prophets that we read throughout the Old Testament. But now in these last days, uh, the, the author of Hebrews tells us that he has spoken to us by his son. So in the past, it was spoken through the prophets. But now he speaks to us directly uh, through his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And we'll stop there. We'll read the rest of it here, here, here in a bit. But I want us to grasp that he now the Father speaks to us through his Son and that his Son came and his Son came as the express image of the Father. We see the Son, we've seen the the Father. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 14, uh, verse 9. He's speaking to his disciples, and they're like, we want to see the Father. And he's like, wait, wait a second. You've seen me, and thus you have seen the Father. That's John 14, 9. You see, what if we had a Savior who knew me but couldn't do anything for me? That wouldn't be much of a Savior. What if we had a Savior who, who understood us and, and got the problem and understood where we went wrong but 
couldn't do anything to fix it. That wouldn't be much of a savior. And that's why there's so much hope in the fact that Jesus came as God. And that is the fact that he is powerful. He is all powerful. And so the fact that he came down as man, he understands us, but he is also God. He is able to do something about it. And that is what he did through his death and through his resurrection. And that is what he does every day in the hearts and lives of men and women all over the world is that he changes us through the power of his glory. And he is changing us today. As we go from day to day, we are growing in, in sanctification. We are growing in knowledge of him. We are growing uh, in understanding what it is to follow Jesus. And that is all done through his power and through the Spirit's power that works in us and through us. And so he came as a man, thus is a personal Savior. He came as God and thus is a powerful Savior. And what did he come to do? Well, verse 21 says he came to deliver his people from their sins. He came to deliver. He came as a purposeful Savior. So he came as a personal Savior. He came as a powerful Savior. And he came as a purposeful Savior. And that purpose is this. He will deliver his people from their sins. Now, we could go forever on this note because this is the message of the Bible. Jesus came to deliver us from our sins. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3 when we read about the fall of man. Mankind was looking for a way out of their sins. And we can read the story of the Old Testament how the bloods of bulls and goats covered their sins. And how they had continuously offer sacrifices uh, to cover their sins. They had continuously uh, stand before uh, the altar of God uh, beseeching God for covering of their sins through the bloods of these bulls and goats and these sacrifices that they were making. But Jesus came <laughs> and Jesus came and he shed his blood once for all, as the author of Hebrews puts it. He came and he shed his blood so that we can be delivered from our sins. You see, the blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament could not save people from their sins. The blood of bulls and goats could only cover people's sins. It was only like a uh, just, a, just a, a, a temporary thing. That's why it had to constantly be done. But Jesus came and Jesus lived the perfect life as a man. He lived the life that we could not. He lived, he fulfilled the righteousness of God that, that, that is demanded for entrance into his kingdom. He did that for us. And then he laid down his life. He shed his blood and his blood is powerful enough because he was and is the perfect perfect lamb of God. His blood doesn't cover our sins. His blood takes away our sins. His blood delivers us from sin. No longer do we have to be no longer are we sinking in the quagmire of of sin and 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 and, and all the things that come with that. But we can be delivered from sin. Here on this earth, we can be delivered from the bondage and the power of sin look what jesus says in luke chapter 4 verse 18 and this is this is him quoting an old testament passage he says this the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are pressed who are oppressed the song comes to mind, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I can remember the day when I gave my heart to Jesus. I was just a, a young boy and I was in the van with my dad, with my siblings. My mom was in the grocery store and we were waiting on her to, to, to finish shopping and, and we were getting impatient. And so we asked dad to tell us a story. And so dad told us the story of Jesus and how Jesus died upon the cross. And I remember sitting in the front seat of that Dodge caravan and I remember crying and I remember just not really fully grasping at that moment what sin was and what that meant but I understood that Jesus wanted me and that I wanted to follow him and in that moment I knelt down and I asked my dad to lead me in the sinner's prayer and I gave my heart to Jesus that's why he came that's why he came and every day around the world this is happening men and women and boys and girls are falling on their faces and they're giving their hearts to Jesus they're they're, they are surrendering to the power of God because He came. Because He came. You see, we read the first part of Hebrews chapter 1. Let me finish that verse 3 for you. I'll go back. And it says that God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, He has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That I love that phrase, when he had by himself purged our sins. He didn't need anyone else. He didn't need anything else. And guys, for us, that still stands true. He doesn't need anything that we can do. He doesn't need anything that we can accomplish. He doesn't need anything that we can offer. All he needs is for us to surrender our lives to him because he came. He did the work. He lived the righteous life. So now we put our faith and our trust in him. And that is why salvation is through faith alone. In Jesus Christ all because he came you see he came as a personal Savior he came as a powerful Savior and he came as a purposeful Savior 